0: I'm Chris Carter of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and this is the North Shore Drive podcast. On this Wednesday edition, we rank with Brian Batko of, the, of our Steelers writers. We rank the top five Steelers veterans who need to step up for their season to be better and to get back into the playoffs. We also talk about the Pirates series with the Dodgers. That's at 1-1 after the ninth inning comeback and, uh, to, to beat the, the L.A. Dodgers and their plans for the draft that might not include either of the LSU talents that have been talked about. All here on a fun episode of the North Shore Drive podcast, which is sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. No better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella right here in the Pittsburgh a- a area. You can schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella, Pella and windows, windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further it's the north shore drive podcast the pittsburgh post-gazette let's get into it you are now listening to the north shore drive podcast a show on all things pittsburgh sports from the writers of the pittsburgh post-gazette hosted by christopher carter Hello, welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host Chris Carter. As we do, always do, we have our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes that you can find from the Pittsburgh Post cassette on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through for oh excuse me your dollar daily Monday through Friday content, but the Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast where we talk to all of our different Pittsburgh sports writers about the different teams here. We're gonna we, we're gonna double up on Steelers today with Brian Batko, one of our great Steelers writers here. We'll have Andrew. De- and going on in a little bit, talking about the Pirates and the Dodgers series and what's been going on there. But Brian, I want to take some time with you as we are now what three weeks away from when the Steelers report to training camp, and there'll be a lot of talk about the rookies this year. But I wanted to talk to you about some of the veterans and what veterans need to step up this year. Well, we can get into predicting who will take a big step up this year from their roles last year, but guys who were on the team last year, we're going to give you our top five players who need to step up for the Steelers season to go the
2: right way this year. Brian. Chris, I like have... framing it as we're, we're three weeks from report day. So we've got yeah. a top five of guys who better report for duty <laughs> when the season <laughs> comes around. Is that yes, a good podcast gimmick? Yeah, yes,
0: totally. They they better report, other, or else. Uh, yes. But uh, uh, but no. But seriously, this is a team where I think there's a lot of established roles already. They have guys who are superstars, guys that are defined. You know, Cam Hayward, Mike Fitzpatrick, T.J. Watt. Uh, the, the, there's all these guys who have they, they have kind of their role. They've been great elite players for the for the team for years now. But there's younger guys and even some older guys who've been added to the roster o- over the past few years, and they've done well. To get this team where I think they, they want to be by the end of the season, and that's being a playoff team who's definitely improved from just being nine getting nine wins the last two years, um, I think that a big part of this is they, they need certain veterans to step up, and that's where we made this list. Brian, kick us off here. We're doing a top five list. We're going to give you our first few in the first segment here, and we'll finish off the list in the second segment. Give me your number five veteran that you think needs to take the biggest jump here.
2: Yeah, I'll just preface this by saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pick any of the studs on this team. I think guys like T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Mika Fitzpatrick. I'd even probably put Alex Highsmith now in this yeah, category. I you know, I, I think they need to keep doing what they're doing for the most part. You can always play better, obviously. T.J. Watt could win Defensive Player of the Year again and lead the league in sacks again. But uh, I don't think his his production is really much of an issue. So I'm going to kind of narrow this down to the players who are sort of uh, – Middling at this point, who have something to prove more or less. And I was very tempted to go with one of the guys in the kicking game in Chris Boswell or <laughs> Presley Harvin for my number five spot. But in an ideal world, if the following players are better this year, you won't need as much from your kicker settling for field goals. You won't need your punter to play the field position game. Uh, you'll just be a better team overall. So With number five, I am going to go with uh, Isaiah Loudermilk as a backup defensive lineman. Now, he's in a boat where, like, if he doesn't, Chris, he might not even make the team. So he better look good in training camp in the preseason. But assuming he is back for year three, you know, with Chris Wormley gone. Remember, Chris Wormley played a a lot of snaps last year before he went down with that torn ACL. So there's always a role for that long – uh, kind of run-stopping first defensive end and any kind of pass rush you provide beyond that uh, is just a bonus. So Loudermilk needs to turn into that guy now or else it's probably going to be too late for him in Pittsburgh.
0: I hear you. It's definitely the, – the clock is ticking because they've also now drafted DeMarvin Leal and – Keanu Benton in the in back-to-back seasons so they're adding youth to that defensive line group so you can't kind of just float around the way Dan McCullers did on this roster for like six years which people still are baffled at how long he was a Pittsburgh (laughs) Steeler but I'm going to go with the same position for my number five guy and that's Larry Oganjovi. and people might think well wait a minute isn't he a veteran he's paid and they're like yes he is but last year, Larry O'Gunjobi only had like one and a half, two sacks, and partially was because he came into the season hurt. That was the whole reason he got to the Steelers, because he couldn't pass a physical with the Bears when they signed him. He didn't practice through much of training camp, and it took him a while to kind of get it to his groove. But if the Steelers can get Larry O'Gunjobi to be a serious one-two punch with Cam Hayward up the middle. I think it changes a lot about what what they what they do on defense, and both stopping the run and if both are serious pass rushing threats on the interior, offensive lines are going to have a lot of problems. and it's going to create a similar problem to what they've been trying to solve since they haven't gotten Stephon Tuitt back when he got injured in twenty twenty and then retired afterwards. But the 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 idea of a four man front where every single guy could respectively command a double team you got a double team cam hayward if you don't you're risking you're risking the the chance for him to wreck your play the same thing went for bud dupree and stefan tuit and tj watt since tuit's been gone they haven't really had that interior present there alex highsmith i think is developing into that guy on the edge but if ogan Joby is that kind of guy where if you leave him in one-on-one he's a 50 50 chance to get to the quarterback that could create a lot of problems for people. So that's why he's my number five. Who's your number four player here on this list that needs to that needs to step up this season?
2: Yeah, that's a good point, Chris. Joby's getting paid very handsomely now, so he needs to be more consistent, more available uh, mm-hmm. throughout the season. My number four, I'm going to actually keep it with the D-line. So this is three in a row, but not a true D-lineman like Isaiah Loudermilk Ooh. or Larry Ogunjobi. It's a guy you already mentioned. DeMarvin Liao going into year two. I mean, he's just the classic case of a rookie with talent who slipped to the middle rounds and showed flashes in his first season, but uh, wasn't the most durable. You know, he went out uh, midway through the year, uh, did come back, and, you know, wasn't the same when he returned. And, you know, just from talking to him in OTAs and in minicamp, he feels like he's really has a better understanding now of what he's going to be. I think he came into the NFL kind of asking of himself the same questions that fans were asking and media were asking What are you? Are you. just a pure tweener. Are you an inside guy here? Are you going to be able to line up more often on the edge and and be a pass rusher? He feels like he is just all of the above and is a unique player for the Steelers in that regard. So if that's the case, uh, you better be able to to provide some juice, no matter where you're playing, whether you're a true hand in the dirt, uh, five technique, or if you're subbing in occasionally for TJ Watt or Alex Highsmith at, you know, quote-unquote outside linebacker, or if they're kind of coming up with a package just for you, uh, if you mm-hmm. want to call it a big nickel or uh, or whatever, um, you know, you consider that. So Liao's a guy who uh, he, he can really help this defense, I think, find kind of a different groove uh, if, if he puts all of his athleticism and power on display. I hear you on that.
0: I think that I like I like the Marvin Leal a lot as a player. I think that the way that he uses his hands was was really sharp last year, but he knows that he can improve. We talked about that during mini camp and OTAs. I think that he's in a position to improve and how the Steelers use him could be in a lot of different ways. My number four guy, and this guy might be higher up your list, but I'm putting Deontay Johnson here. And because he didn't score any touchdowns last year, granted, not all his fault because of the quarterback situation and how the offense was constructed, but I just look at Deontay Johnson as a guy who has this untapped potential over the past four years of his career. In each of his years, you could look at the quarterback situation and think it wasn't the best that the Steelers had. 2019, his rookie his rookie season was the Mason Rudolph Devlin Hodges year. 2020, he had Ben for about half a year, and he did well in that year with 1,200-plus receiving yards and was able to put up some numbers. But then in 2021, old man Ben Roethlisberger, 2022, Trubisky and Pickett. And I think that this is his chance to kind of say, hey, I am a number one receiver in the NFL because he's gotten a really good paycheck from the Steelers, and he's a great outrunner but if he puts it all together he can get a big an even bigger contract from that from the Steelers or from someone else to keep being a big playmaker in the NFL that's why I put him at my number four and if he is truly taking a step up this year and being a number one receiver for the Steelers I think it changes a lot of dynamics about this offense
2: I actually don't have Deontay Johnson on my list so in in my reasoning for it Chris is I think this is basically just who he is you know, solid. He's found some consistency as kind of just a possession receiver at this point. And I think, you know, the touchdown luck such as it is, you know, that's a little bit difficult to predict from year to year. I just don't ever see him being a huge touchdown maker. I think he's somebody who's more helpful to you between the 20s. And there are other guys on this roster who can help manufacture touchdowns in the red zone and close to the end zone. And I'm going to get to uh, at least one of them in my remaining three.
0: I hear you. We're going to get to that remaining three in a second that um, uh, we'll do in the second segment here. But I want to remind you, this show is sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed on, on in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year round here in the city of Pittsburgh. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Can't make your existing appointment? You can reschedule any by calling 866 866- 593-1560 to discuss your project further. Check out With Pella Windows and Doors in Pittsburgh to get new windows and doors installed into your home. We're also sponsored by GameTime.co. You can buy tickets to your favorite tickets and events, which shouldn't be stressful at all, with the new GameTime app that you can down, download tickets, the fast and easy way for sports events, music events, comedy and theater events near you. You get killer deals even on last-minute tickets, and they have a best price guarantee that just can't be beat. The GameTime app allows you to book tickets up to the last minute and if you didn't plan far out in advance, it doesn't. It, it that doesn't matter because they're going to get you killer deals and flash and flash ticket deals on different events, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, any event near you. Game Time is going to help you find the best price for, it. and they're get their best price guarantee means that they that they'll always get you the best price. And if you find tickets to the same event in the same section and same row for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you one hundred and ten percent of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time out and create an account and use code P I T T pit for $20 off your first purchase or go to their website, GameTime.co. terms and conditions apply, create an account and redeem code P I T T pit for $20 off download game time today, last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed
2: with threats to our nation, waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them.
0: Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Brian Batgill, Pittsburgh Post Gazette. We're all breaking things down. We're finishing up our top five Steelers vets who need to step up. Here we've given you our five and our fours. Now it's time to go with our, to, to go to our third player that we see here, Brian. Who's number three on your list of who needs to step up?
2: Yeah, like I said at the end of last segment, I, I do think that Deontay Johnson has kind of plateaued to a degree, mm. and you know we've seen this. We've seen several iterations of the Steelers offense with him in it now, and. I think he's brought the same traits most of the time. But here's a guy that I think uh, has not plateaued at all in the NFL and, and can really reach a pretty high peak if he, if he puts it all together, and that's George Pickens. Ooh. You know, One of the biggest issues that I saw for this offense in 2022 was just, can we force feed this guy the ball a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Um, good things tend to happen when you put it anywhere in George Pickens' zip code, uh, maybe even his area code. Uh, out here on the on the football field, throwing down the sideline. I think getting him more involved as a red zone presence because if you can make a contested catch uh, at the fifty, you can make a contested catch in the back corner of the end zone. So uh, he's a guy that I mean, it's it's not uh, any sort of unique take here, but I just think he's the most talented wide receiver on this offense, even more so than Deontay Johnson. And I think he's got to be a bigger piece of emphasis, a bigger focal point for Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada, and company this season.
0: Uh, you know what? I think our three, two, and one might all be the exact same if if, that, if he's your number three, because George Pickens is my three as well, and I agree. There were so many times last year where I was just saying, could you throw the ball to George Pickens on first down? Because just the, the the ability that he has to stretch the field with his ability to go up and get the football, it would give Kenny Pickett a chance to kind of take a bigger shot downfield and put some balance more into this offense, and I agree. I agree. Part of this isn't just about George Pickens stepping up. It's about his role in this offense taking a step up and being that he gets more targets, more opportunities, and and at different points, too. Don't make him just a guy that you throw to on third down. Make him a guy that that could be involved in the early part of your down-and-distance situations, so that defenses have to honor him as a a playmaking threat, Um, and that kind of takes the attention off your ability to run the ball on first down. So I agree with you there. It's it's just amazing to
2: go back and look at his game log from his rookie year and see how inconsistently he was involved. I mean, that, that needs to change. Um, And, but Hey, part of it too, is on him to get some more separation. uh, Make sure he is, make sure he's getting himself open uh, a little bit more than he did as a rookie. Even though again, like we both just talked about, even when he's covered, he's not really covered a lot of the time.
0: Right. And, but, but if he could get that separation and still win those combat combat, combat combat catches, I really think that that puts a lot of different different perspective into him, and he can be that explosive playmaker. Who, if in three years' time he's you know he, it's time for him to get his new new deal. The Steelers could be looking at that and saying, you know what, you could pay him and not Deontay Johnson. and Then you, maybe you've drafted another wide receiver. The Mike Wallace, up.
2: Antonio Brown situation a little exactly. bit exactly.
0: Exactly, that's where that's where I think they go. But if he's your number three, does that mean Najee Harris is your number two?
2: Yes, it does, Chris. Good well, guess,
0: on page. <laughs> Good
2: prediction. Um, yeah, I mean, here's another guy that just you know you you look at the counting numbers from his first couple years, and at the end of the day, they compute pretty well. They add up the back-to-back 1,000 yard seasons. That doesn't that benchmark doesn't mean as much now in the 17 game NFL schedule, but you know it it, it is a testament to how reliable he's been. He's been extremely durable for an NFL running back. He's been very sure-handed, what, just three lost fumbles, I think, Mm -hmm. over his first two seasons. And that rookie year didn't have one until the playoff game, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe this week seven, week 18. But uh, either way, he's not a guy that you have to worry about with ball security. Just need to see more explosion from him. You know, he needs to be a more dynamic runner if he wants to cash in the way that he was kind of talking about uh, during mini camp. It's, It's not just a matter of, uh, you know, the, the, running back market, it's also, you got to be a really special player uh, to get a yeah. second contract at, at that position. And I haven't seen special from him yet. You know, there were, there were times for sure as a rookie uh, when the offensive line was so bad that he was getting hit by eight guys at, at the line of scrimmage. And mm-hmm. there were times in the second half of last year when the O-line was better and he was doing more with it. Uh, now I think we need to see that kind of uh, rushing ability and receiving ability, over the course of an entire season from Najee Harris. You know, you want to see more efficiency. Uh, you just want to see, a, I think, a little bit more of a home run hitting uh, ability. I know that wasn't his calling card coming out of Alabama, but at times you need to be able to find that hole and scamper away for 20, 30, 40, maybe even all the way to the end zone.
0: No, I I, I, I hear you. If he, if, he needs, if he can contribute more plays like that, it'll be huge. I think the biggest thing for Najee Harris is – if he can kind of be that consistent guy that, that that's even if he's like more like Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell didn't have too many like 40 yard touchdown runs, but what he did do really well was he would take the five and six and seven yard runs a lot more often. And he would just bruise you and bruise you. And then eventually in, in late in the game, you're sitting there like, man, we can't keep taking this and he would still be going. And like you said, Najee Harris, maybe one of his biggest, biggest strength, maybe his biggest strength is his durability. He's played in all 17 regular season games in back-to-back seasons. That's, very, that's very uh, reliable that, that makes him reliable and that's very important to an offense that wants to run the ball and be more physical than their opponents so I, I agree with you there but yeah you could he, he could find way more ways to be explosive to find more ways to take kind of make some bigger plays and part of that could be moving around a little bit more in the formation you know lining them up in the slot letting him be that guy you know one thing that I think he did very well at Alabama is that he would always make the first guy miss and if that first guy with the new Steelers offensive line and maybe an improved offense overall all if that first guy cannot be at the line of scrimmage it can be if it can be two or three yards beyond the line of scrimmage maybe then he makes that first guy miss or stiff arms him or whatever and then he's getting to the four and five yard part before he's reaching the second defender and then you know maybe being brought down there and I think that that's why he's both he both of our guys number two here the the other
2: part of that conversation too at least for me Chris Mm -hmm. Jalen Warren's a nice player he far exceeded expectations as an undrafted free agent but you look down the depth chart I mean this is probably one of the weaker or at least uh, most shallow running back rooms in the entire league. So mm. the Steelers have put a lot of chips in the Najee Harris basket. Uh, he's He's got to be even better in year three. I agree. He does. Our number one is pretty easy and obvious. If you're listening to the show,
0: you're like, well, where is it? You know, it's Kenny Pickett. Zach Gentry. What? <laughs> Yes, totally. That's that's where the offense. He will open this offense up. Forget about forget about Donnell. Watch the Pat Friermuth. It's all about Zach Gentry. But no, but Kenny Pickett. It goes without saying that they need him to take a step up here. But I want to I want to say I want to ask you this, Brian. What is the likelihood of him taking a step here up here, and what does that even look like statistically? Like if you're thinking about just what you want to see from Kenny Pickett uh, the, this this upcoming season, uh, comparing it to where, where they where they were last year. I'll just read out his stats okay. He threw for twenty four hundred yards, uh, seven touchdowns, nine interceptions with a passer rating of uh seventy six point seven. Where do you want to see him with a with a full season now and having some experience under his belt?
2: I think much like Najee Harris, it's gonna be more of an efficiency thing for me with Kenny Pickett. And that's because this is built to be a balanced offense if not even a run first offense, you know, I don't think that he's going to be winging the ball all around the yard. Now they were content to let him throw a lot of times as a rookie, but also game script factored into that uh, with a lot of those uh, box scores for Kenny Pickett, where they were playing catch up and really had no choice, uh, but to throw the ball early and often. So that I think you've got to get away from that to a degree. And, you know, you've, you've got to continue to play the mistake free football that he did down the stretch, just one pick after the buy, but couple that with hitting some more of those big strike plays down the field so that you aren't trying to nickel and dime a defense in every single game for 12, 13, 14 play drives because that's when things can go wrong or you just run out of gas and you end up settling for three. So, uh, you know, certainly more of the deep ball ability uh, will help him unlock that and he's got to continue to be somebody who, you know, relies on that clutch gene, but also, Play that way in the first, second, and third quarter, too. Don't save mm-hmm. it for the fourth quarter in the last two minutes where you know, you're know you on the razor's edge of winning, and if if you get sacked by Jason Pierre-Paul, you don't beat the Ravens in that game. So that, to me, is, is the ultimate uh, key for Kenny Pickett, and it's the ultimate X factor for this team. Everywhere I go this time of the year when things are slow, 4th of July cookouts. Uh, I was in Nashville over the weekend. Anybody who knows what I do wants to talk Steelers. It's always, how do you think Pickett's going to do? Can he step up? Can he be better? That's the uh, the huge question for this team. I don't think he's going to have to throw for 4,500 yards and put himself in the uh, Mahomes-Allen-Burrow discussion. That's not what the Steelers are asking him to do. But he needs to... You know, continue to have that clutch gene, but also be more consistent for the an entire sixty minutes. I I agree,
0: and part of that, I think, will be seeing the field more consistently, knowing where to go with with guys, and having that connection with guys to trust them in different spots. You saw it in flashes in his rookie season. You need to see it consistently in his second season. I agree entirely, Brian. There's our top five Steelers veterans. Who need who need to improve this year the most for the Steelers for them to have a better season we'll have more topics coming your way here on the Pittsburgh Steelers thanks again Brian for holding it down here can't believe we're three Wednesday. weeks
2: we're three weeks from training camp Chris three it weeks, is baby coming too fast or it's too slow up. I guess <laughs> yeah, on your it's, listen
0: it's coming too fast for the part of my life where I get to take a little bit more of a relax a relaxing day but yeah. it can come a lot faster for the part of my life where I'm working and I need to come up with more topics uh but in all <laughs> seriousness thanks again to Brian Vatko. We're going to talk Pirates with Andrew Destin in a minute here on the North Shore Drive Podcast. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the North Shore Drive Podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Andrew Destin. He's out in L.A. covering the Pirates series with the Dodgers, which is currently at 1-1. The Pirates lost the opening game, but then they rallied with a crazy ninth inning scoring Three runs to get the win. The Pirates win nine to seven uh, out there in LA. Uh, but Andrew, there was some controversy on top of the excitement of a, a late inning rally. There was a, there was some controversy uh, with some of the strikeouts that this, that the Pirates got in the bottom of the ninth uh, when the Dodgers were trying to come back. Can you break us down one how this comeback happened and then what was the controversy here that two people were talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the comeback itself, right? Seven to six going into the top of the ninth.
1: Um, you know, crowd of over fifty one thousand people. They're all going nuts. You know, post game fireworks there in Chavez Ravine at Dodger Stadium. Everybody was on anticipation of that. And in the bottom of the eighth, you get Deluca for the Dodgers. It's his first career home run. Crowd gets a home, uh, you know, a cur- curtain call from him. You're thinking, all right, this is done. We've seen this script play out before. The hometown fans are going to be happy, um, and, and that's that's that. But in that ninth, I mean, you know, we talk about a comeback from the Pirates, which all starts. I mean, all the credit, obviously, or most of the credit you got to give to guys like Jared Triolo with the game-tying single and Josh Palacios with the double all the other way. Um, But for me, it really all started with an at-bat from Jack Swinski with uh, count 3-2, took Mm. a tough cutter on the inside corner, had worked the count full, um, and that was with one away. If Swinski goes down looking there, he'd gone down looking earlier in the game, you're looking at two outs, nobody on. Uh, against one of the best closers in baseball and Evan Phillips. I would be pretty surprised if the Pirates actually do mount a comeback if Swinski doesn't take that walk there, which is followed, of course, by Nick Gonzalez taking one himself. So you get this order where it goes Gonzalez and then Triolo mm-hmm. and then Palacios. And I know Palacios is a little bit older than the other two guys, but like Nick Gonzalez after the game was talking about like Dodger Stadium is where he used to go as a kid and like loved it and it was fun. And he's yeah. like, this is exciting. This is great. And it's like, mm-hmm. we forget that it's only been a week or two weeks of these guys they are so young and yet they're performing on the biggest stages. And this you could argue is one of, if not the biggest stage in baseball, at least on the Western side of the country. Um, you know, that's the pinnacle when you talk about like cool baseball moments, world baseball, classic world series games, you know, moments in baseball history. Obviously this is just a July 4th game between the pirates and Dodgers, but like, these players recognize that. They know that this means a little bit more than just one of 162. And then in that bottom of the ninth, I mean, Bednar talked about proving a guy's value after he gets brought uh, put on the All-Star game roster, gets two outs in the eighth inning to keep it a one-run game, gets three, a little bit shaky there. And then uh, to finally to get to your point, Chris, of uh, the controversial strikeout, uh, Miguel Vargas pinch hits there, uh, or he had entered as a late replacement for the Dodgers. Uh, three pitches, swung at one, took two. All three were not strikes, according to StatCast. All up and outside, out of the Dang. strike zone. So um, I'll, I'll put it this way. I, on my drive back to the hotel here in Los Angeles, uh, the local radio affiliates, none, none too pleased <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with the called strikes. I'm sure Pirates fans will enjoy them. but uh, the,
0: I'm sure the calls for robot umps were a little bit louder in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, think a little bit. <laughs> But the funny thing about it is, this, that happens, right? And it's a uh, you know Vargas goes down, looking pirates celebrate on the field, and I don't think I saw a single fan move because you got the post game fireworks. So you got fifty one, wow. so you got fifty one thousand people there who are absolutely livid with the call. And we're walking down to get to the clubhouse, and I was like, this is the easiest they've ever had a game to a clubhouse. Like, <laughs> there's, there's no crowd to surface through. There's nothing like that, and the chorus of booze is raining down in the PA system. Um, and fireworks will begin in five minutes. Like, <laughs> what a scene! What what a Fourth of July! What a scene in L.A.
0: That had to be wild, man. I, I will say this: that is one of the more underrated challenges of, of beat reporting uh, at at uh, At Acrisure Stadium. One thing that happens is that, like, if you miss the boat of uh, before the two minute warning at the end of us uh, at the end of a Steelers game. You have to wait on the elevators that take you down. So if you, if you, if you, unless you don't want to wait for those elevators to finish, well after the game, you have to run down the steps, and you're dealing with an, an exiting Steelers crowd. If they've lost, they're ticked. If they win, they're drunk and they're happy, and it's just, it's, it, it could be a, it could be a challenge. And when you're on the road, it's just as crazy, if not even a little bit more sometimes. So that had to be, that was a small blessing for you that everyone was kind of standing there for fireworks. Oh,
1: it was beautiful, man. Small blessing. And then I come back from clubhouse. All the guys are jubilant. They're looking to get back to the team hotel, maybe celebrate or just get back to bed. Come back to start writing. Firework show still going on. That never wow. happens. Usually it's That's over crazy. by then. So, right. Yeah. Got to well, enjoy that for a few minutes. And then it's, all right, back to writing and back to Bucco's baseball
0: there we go the pirates one-on-one they got two more games here wednesday and thursday at the dodgers beto and Oviedo to be on the mound for those games uh and then uh, i believe they have what three games against the diamondbacks and then the all-star break will will be here so that'll that'll be that as it stands right now they're 40 and 35 back to third in the nl central so uh technically they could get back to or above 500 with these last with these last few games here um or no, they'd be back at 500 if they won all yep. five straights. So there you go. So they they they'd be, there'd be that. Not that that will happen, but that's where they could be here. I want to take a step back, though, from talking about their place right now and do and talk about something with you that I talked about with Jason that you and Jason also talked about for the Post-Cassette, and that's the upcoming plans with the MLB draft coming up this weekend. And all the buzz is about the Pirates right now. Everyone For the longest time, it was Dylan Cruz or Paul Skeens with one of the LSU guys, either the pitcher or the hitter. And you know, being taken at number one overall, and but Jason said it on on our Monday episode. You guys talked you about it again on our on our Pirates episode that we do that we do here for the Post Gazette. But how likely is it that the Pirates actually do pass on either of those guys? And then we'll get into the impact of that in your opinion.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors at play here, and I think um, you know if, if you're holding me to truth serum. I would say that it's pretty 50-50 on which direction the Pirates go here. And that's not me saying 50% cruise, 50% Skeens. I'm saying Max Clark, the outfielder out of uh, high school, or a high school outfielder out of Indiana, very much could be in play here. Um, and I think that's a reality that Pirates fans maybe shouldn't be getting comfortable with, but be prepared for. Um, oh boy. And <laughs> I, I say that all to say that there's a lot of factors at play here, right? Um, One is that I do think the Pirates legitimately do like Clark and view him as a legitimate candidate alongside Skeens and Cruz, but maybe the quiet part that isn't being said out loud is that there's the financial component to this, which is that with it being the number one pick, Pirates are going to have to dish out a lot of money to whoever goes number one. They've done that before two years ago to Davis and saved a little bit of money. This is a very, very different draft than 2021. Let us preface with that. However, it's been made pretty clear that Cruz is going to come in top dollar in terms of the signing bonus schemes probably isn't going to be that far behind. And we don't know what the negotiations behind the scenes are looking like in terms of whether these guys are excited about the prospect of playing for the pirates, if they're trying to avoid it, like that's some stuff that I'm not privy to that kind of information, but given those components, I'm not saying I agree or condone the, the, uh, the conduct from the pirates when it comes to this draft, but I'm saying that there is some rationale to this that could lead to it not being Skeens or Cruz. Again, it's just one pick. It's just one draft. But come on, we know that this is a little bit more impactful. This is one one we're talking about. We've seen what Henry Davis has done since coming up to the bigs. You can only imagine what kind of an impact a guy like Cruz or Skeens could have. Clark, probably three or four years away, given he's a high school outfielder. So uh, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of play here, Chris. And it seems like all cards are on the table.
0: Well, that's one thing I wanted to also add in about is about, like, if those guys get if, – if they draft one of the LSU guys, those guys are playing soon. And this is a core that I think the Pirates are building with O'Neal Cruz, with Henry Davis, with Brian Hayes, with Brian Reynolds, with the guys that they have right now. Mitch Keller's still here while he can be here before he gets paid big money to go some somewhere else, most likely. There is a small window here, and I really think that, you know – that is part of why people are going to be very frustrated if the pirates don't go with one of those LSU guys and go with a high school kid. Even if Max Clark in three to four years becomes another uh, becomes a superstar for them and be like great, but if if, if Cruz and or andor Skeens can be superstars right now uh, or or at least in the in, another, in the next year or so, people are going to be very frustrated in this town if the pirates aren't you know in the playoffs. During those during those couple seasons, and they're going and they see those guys somewhere else shining bright and cre- and creating great moments for other ball clubs, and it'll be a, it'll look like another. Well, if the Pirates blew this one yet again in a time where, like, I think this is a very crucial point for this organization to be winning over fans to say, "Hey, we are back." You know, people and people have shown up. There have been some well attended baseball games this year because of the the hype that they built in April. They have brought Cutch back. There's been some some hope and belief there, but they gotta keep building on it and you know unless they think Mac Clark is the best is the best player that they're gonna that they're gonna act they can actually draft here I, I get the the, the argument about money and payments and things like that but th- this is supposed to be a point where the Pirates are past now and that they can go get the guys that are actually going to make the team better
1: right and I, I think you bring up a good point there of that this shouldn't be a money conscious driven decision and that leads to the count not the counterpoint but the additional point of if the Pirates do believe that Clark is the better talent, then that's an entirely different conversation, right? Then that's, we need to get into player evaluation, player development, um, you know, and and if you look at the outfield prospects that the Pirates have brought up over the years, um, they've done a fairly good job with that, right? Over the last decade with your guys, you can go back to the McCutcheons, the Martes, maybe the Polanco didn't work out as well as you'd like, but there was some good track record there. Um, Brian Reynolds, for instance, is another one. since then, though, um, you know, Jack is another guy who comes to mind. It's not some huge plethora of talent, but it's pretty solid. Um, and with the pitching talent, you maybe say, oh, well, you know, Mitch Keller has figured it out. But aside from that, homegrown arms, few and far between. So maybe Skeens yeah. is a logical argument. Um, the outfield draft pool right now or the prospect pool for the Pirates, it's like Matt Gorski is your best guy. And besides that, not a whole lot. So there's two really good arguments to make there for Cruz and Skeens. Um, I guess you could apply that same outfield argument to Max Clark, but that's all for me to say that um, let's say hypothetically they do go with Clark and Skeens and Crews turn out the way they do. That's not an indictment on the player development or the player identification process that the Pirates go through, but it is, you know, it's further proof. It points out to, hey, this is another draft that the Pirates could have taken advantage of and gotten an impact player, and they didn't. And eventually, um, you know, that, that's something that can, lead to ramifications. So I don't mean to put the cart before the horse, but this is certainly an important draft. I think everybody is aware of that. And the ramifications from it are going to be, I think, pretty significant, uh, especially in the immediate future, because like you mentioned, and we've discussed in this pod here, um, you know, cruise schemes probably going to be pretty impactful if they are pretty early, pretty soon. So, um, you know, player identification, kind of
0: important. And uh, that's kind of coming to the forefront here we will keep you guys updated at, uh, at the post at Pittsburgh Post Gazette post-gazette.com is the website and he's Andrew Destin he's on, he's on he's on the west coast covering the pirates and the dodgers Jason Mackey of course also do, doing the doing the covers there we'll have a, one more last talk with Jason at the end of the week because we want to talk with him on our Friday episode about just as final reads, you know, You we, we have we have our guys in, in, in the clubhouse uh, getting getting you all the insights on what the Pirates will actually do. Is this a smokescreen? Will they go with Max Clark or will they go with one of the LSU kids? All that and more here on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's podcast, the North Shore Drive podcast, which you can find Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's podcasting platforms, which you can get on any app that you listen to podcasts and you can watch on YouTube. But also, don't forget, we have daily content comes out from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, including a conversation between Jason and Andrew on this very topic where they give you both of their insights on that. Check that out at any point in time that you want to. Thanks again to Andrew. Thanks again to Brian for talking Steelers with us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Check us out again Friday with another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6. Click the link
2: down below in the description.